God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And I want to especially thank all the uh, listeners out there that wrote uh, wrote into the show, wishing me uh, well. Uh, that was always nice to read. Uh, got a bunch of emails from... So yesterday was our first day back and uh, from taking a hiatus uh, because I uh, had my gallbladder removed. <laughs> and it was uh, quite a surprise. When I went to the hospital, I was thinking I was going to get like a script and leave. But uh, no, it turned out to be a whole ordeal. Surgery and the whole ball of wax. And there was this interesting dynamic we talked about yesterday where they pulled a few fancy tricks to keep me there an extra day or two and to produce uh, you know, new uh, expensive scopes and and scans, and uh, it it basically opened my eyes to how corrupt the medical industry is. And you know, I mean, I, I actually, uh, we, if you weren't listening yesterday, uh, the idea was we, we caught our nurse in a flat out lie, and she admitted it, and she apologized, and that resulted in me not being able to do a show Monday. It resulted in an echocardiogram that cost a lot of money. It it resulted in extra nights of stay at the hospital um, and a whole host of other things. And you think about it, well, it's not just the ten to $20,000 that my insurance company is going to have to pay because of this, and they're profiteering on that, but it's what they put me through. I was strung up with a whole bunch of cords and air in my nose and things like that that were just very discomforting, all because of this uh, hidden agenda to fill a bed because the hospital was empty. The hospital was half empty. I would take a walk around the corridor of my section in the hospital and I would see empty beds 
There was, they were not busy. And I think that the nurses are in on helping themselves to making sure they get the number of shifts that they want in a week. There's that, and then there's there's more. There's just um, a lot of these um, different hospitals do these things because they understand the system. The system is, if you have pharmacies controlling the politicians and you have the government controlling your health care, like Obamacare, you've gotten it covered. There's nothing else the government can control. They control everything. And when they talk about death panels, they control that too. How, what kind of tests will be supported by the insurance company? And if the insurance company deems that oh, we're not going to support that kind of treatment. So unless you want to pay $30,000 a pill or $12,000 a pill for a spe- specific function to keep your to solve a problem, keep you alive or what have you. Now, we're not going to pay that. We're not going to pay that. So you you're, you know, it's a death panel situation. How much time will you get to spend on hospice care before it's not covered? And so the rich are okay, maybe. The people with tens of millions of dollars in the bank, they'll be all right. The elite, the top 1% are liberals. And the top, bottom 20%, you know. So you get the top 20% of the United States, and they're rich. And the lower 20% of the United States, they're super poor. And that is growing because of the open borders where we've promised them free education and free health care. Make their problems go away. Give them a vaccine if they want one. And so it's uh, our country selling out American workers on behalf of foreigners. And everybody knows that meal ticket is never going to fall out of style. It's always going to have demand. And it's that working middle class that's getting crushed in the process. In the meantime, that working middle class that thinks on their own. And they're sick and tired of the things that they're having to deal with. And they don't know the answer to the problem. They don't know how to win. They don't know how to beat or push back because they don't understand the fight. And as soon as they step out of line, whether it is to pray or... I told you about my Easter story. And I said, you know, it was interesting that this woman who grew up in communist Romania uh, acknowledged that she grew up in a household that didn't believe in God. It wasn't even a part of their lives. There were no churches in town. And the reason why is because the government thinks of themselves as God. The government doesn't want you to have a God. If you believe in God, if you believe in faith and, and you believe in something bigger than what's what's here on earth, that's not gonna that's that's not you putting the government first. 
See, where Trump was talking about America first, the Democrats are talking about government first. They're talking about power and influence. So that medical experience was, was interesting because the same playbook that they used where they were drumming, they were fudging the numbers to create a scenario that resulted in tests and a longer stay is no different than drumming up numbers to create hype and fear to sustain a stay-at-home order and make you wear a mask and social distance and not hold rallies in an election year, knowing full well that one candidate can fill a coliseum and the other can't fill three circles. The guy that supposedly won more votes than anyone else in history because of a rigged election, because of the online registrations run by the liberals that run them, like Jack Dorsey or Mark Zuckerberg, all these liberal uh, high, big tech, they're the top 1%. They're the top 20 they're liberal. Why? Because they don't want to be dethroned. They don't want to be thrown in jail. Even the richest man in the world, you know, if you were to go after their family, they will fold. They will bend over. They will fold like a cheap suit. The richest man in the world is powerful until they're powerless. So you, you have to do it their way. They don't want to lose everything. They want to just live their dream life. And if that means selling out, then that's what they'll do. There are a lot of people that go to Washington with confidence and good things in their heart. And then they understand, they, they understand that they just want a ticket to quicksand. And that if you don't sign this, we'll make your kids go away. If you, if you do sign this, we'll send them to college. You know, that'll be a, we'll, we'll finance your foundation. We'll do whatever it takes to get you to do what we need you to do. And that's a lobbyist. So the pharmaceutical lobbyists are very powerful. But it's a scary notion when the government's controlling your health care. They also control the reproduction. They also control the vaccines that can control the population. We know because Bill Gates told us that. He said vaccines. We can get that number of 9% down to 6%. Uh, or we could get that 9 billion projection uh, population. It's a projected population. We can get that 9 billion down to 6 billion world population with vaccines. That doesn't sound to me like vaccines are that healthy for you if they actually reduce, help you reduce the population. And they're in control. But when they're in control of pharmacy and healthcare, that's a scary, scary situation. And that's why you have Dr. Fauci and WHO and CDC controlling the world right now, controlling how you live 
how you can behave. And like I said before, climate change was a uh, the first salvo of that. I think it was a work study. It was a case study. They were trying to use climate change to instill fear. And Obama said it. He said that climate change is a more, exist- more of an existential threat than nuclear war. He said that to his, in his commencement speeches at the academies. And how in the world can you make that statement? Because the scientists have been wrong about that. 97% of the scientists said the ice caps would be melted by now. And they're still there. 97% of the scientists said a lot of things. Just like Dr. Fauci has said so many things that he's flipped on. And there's some really great exchanges we played yesterday with Rand Paul and Steve Scalise who, by the way, was shot by a Bernie Sanders supporter, but no one even wants to talk about that. Just like the person that shot and killed Ashley Babbitt. Do you think that he's going to get the same treatment as Chauvin? Who was pronounced uh, you know, guilty on all charges. All charges. I... I, I saw the video, I saw what happened, and there was no way that he was guilty of second or third degree murder. It was second degree manslaughter that he may, I think he, he, he was guilty of because he didn't need to have his knee on the neck of a guy that was just passed out who was already detained with handcuffs on. Take your, you know, do a, do a li- proof of life check. You know, turn the guy over. Do whatever it takes. But it was that negligence. But there were people standing around there too. So second degree manslaughter, yes. But you got to have willful intent. You, you must have put on your uniform that day and left and said, I'm going to go and kill George Floyd. That's pretty much it. First degree is that. Second degree is close to that. Third degree is still you, you, in the middle of the heat of the moment. But his body language on the scene indicated nothing that would relate itself to second or third degree murder. And so that I find very, very interesting. And... Uh, So here we are now with another racial whirlwind. But incidentally, the person that runs Black Lives Matter has just purchased like four houses over the last few years worth millions of dollars. <clears throat> you better believe Stacey Abrams has been paid very well for the kind of shenanigans she pulled in Georgia. And a lot of those Georgian Republicans, rhinos, are going to be rhinoed out of office. We are going. To, we are going to make. You know that's that's what our mo- movement is designed for. When you look at Bugle Call and MAGA Pack, what we're doing there is we're creating awareness every day 
in coordination with the Scott Adams Show and Red State Talk Radio. We got Magapack and Bugle Call, uh, which are going to be poised to receive donors uh, where we could hold events. And we are already scheduling these events. And we're going to hold these events and create awareness. Create awareness for the issues that we need to support. America first to keep America great again. That's our slogan. And the people down in Georgia that are so-called Republicans should never see a, an office again in their lives. They should never, ever practice as a Republican again. And we want to see to it also that people like Rona McDaniel get fired. We want to hold the GOP and win red accountable. Before you ever donate to Win Red, you should consider donating to an organization that can hold these people into checks and balances. You want to donate? You want to support a conservative agenda? The, probably the same exact agenda that Trump ushered out in every one of his rallies? Well, that's basically America first. Secure borders. Strong military. So strong that you'll never have to use it. Peace through strength. But you won't have these caravans of people coming in. And now what we hear, and we've reported this yesterday, that they're coming in through Texas and they're going to Louisiana. And I can tell you right now, Louisiana is their next target. It was Georgia, and now it's Louisiana. And how in the world they're flipping these states is beyond me. How in the world people like in Alabama could be duped by a woman named Gloria Alred to the point where they got rid of Roy Moore, the Republican, and they installed Doug Jones. Now, Tupperville beat you know, won that seat back. But still, that just tells me that Alabama is hanging by a thread if they could do that. And it also tells me that the Republicans down there aren't really listening to the truth. They're believing certain things that they shouldn't believe. They should be more responsible with their vote. How anybody could vote liberal or left is beyond me. After we already know that 100% of the Democrats have voted to impeach President Donald Trump twice, for what? When you don't get due process in our country, you don't have justice. When you base your justice on skin color and political ideology, you do not have justice. You just don't. The American greatness, Dennis Prager, I like him a lot. He writes, whites aren't hated for slavery, but for making America and the West great again. Whites made the country and the greatest civilization, not because they were white, but because of the values they held. 
Hatred of whites is ultimately hatred of those values. And you know, it's kind of sickening, but you know, they always talk about this urban flight. Black Lives Matter is not doing black people any service whatsoever. Because people don't want to be surrounded by this kind of chaos and stupidity. Black Lives Matter is run by some of the most ignoramuses, most ignorant people I've ever run across. I remember this one clip of a Black Lives Matter leader where they said, this is a black march. If you're white, you step to the back of the line, is what she said. She was a black woman. As if she didn't learn that segregation and racial division is a bad thing. But, you know, how in the world can you say it's... it's uh, how in the world is it right that you can practice segregation and racial division on one extreme while you oppose what happened in the past on the other? And that's the thing that gets me the most. If you're going to hold Chauvin accountable and find him guilty on all three charges, that's great. That's fine. I don't think he was guilty of second or third degree. He certainly was guilty to me of second-degree manslaughter. To where he would have gotten, I think that's about a 40-month charge. He served 12, so, I mean, he would have gotten at least three years in prison. I think that's more likely. It's him spending the rest of his life in jail. I don't, I think that's a little much. So, Dennis Prager writes this book. And, yo, one other thing I wanted to say was the migration to Florida is one thing. You know, the migration from Texas or California to Texas is is one thing. But the migration from open borders, from illegals, through Texas to Louisiana is a whole other. And they're shipping them in and they're shipping them out. We're hearing news Reports, or we're hearing word on the street that these people are getting flown places, they're getting bused places, trained places. You know, they're going to different places where they're needed to vote a, a certain way. And they're going to basically try to flip Ohio and, you know, ensure that Wisconsin and Michigan stay blue. They're going to try to refortify their blue wall. They're going to try to take Pennsylvania back. Again, look at Pennsylvania. It used to be, I think it was always a mixed state, but in terms of political ideology. But we talked about meds and eds cities. We said uh, Pittsburgh used to be a steel town. It used to be very conservative. And all of a sudden... They chased steel away from us because of the unions and what they were trying to do. Strong arm <clears throat> the steel industry and other the coal industry as well. But these big labor unions, they were basically dictating the terms and they were having the support of the Democrat Party. And what would, the end result was 
was that it made their company non-competitive. So in the short term, they put a little extra cash in their pocket. But in the long term, they struggled bigly. They struggled. They couldn't, they couldn't compete. And if you were to introduce a pay cut, they would go on strike. So it was a bad deal. So Steel left the city. What are we going to do next? We're going to reprogram. We're going to become a tech city. Pittsburgh's a great case study for all of that because they now are an Eds and Meds city, high tech. And th- that what comes with that is academia. What comes with academia is liberalism because everybody knows that if you're on a tenure track to higher places in your career, you got to bow to the liberal mindset. And that's where it is right now. Just like the medical professionals I had to deal with in the hospital, where they had a system in place. And it was almost like, you know, the way it was pulled off, though, by a nurse it was to me unusual and the su- and the um, supervisor supported the nurse to a certain degree tried to like explain it away but I did get an apology but I also got a call about how my stay was at the hospital yesterday I got it and I figured well For any kind of legal purposes, you know, I got to tell them the truth. And because every call is recorded, you know that. And I told them the truth. And I'm basically recommending to them that they repair and fix these things because it's, it's just not right. And I probably will consult with my pharmacy after I, I mean, my uh, insurance company after I get my total bill, right? And when that that comes in, I'm basically going to talk to them about what happened. And we'll see what happens from there. It'll be an interesting story as it develops. But I was the victim of that. And that was, to me, a bit unusual. So Dennis Prager writes, among them... um, Oh, yeah, one last thing. So the urban flight, people talk about when they said blacks would move into your city and the whites would move out to the you know to the suburbia suburbia i think that's what's sort of going on right now is that black lives matter and antifa and this liberal ideology it's not so much about skin color as it is about political ideology marxism socialism and two standards of justice because you have a police department that sits there and turns a blind eye to Black Lives Matter and and Antifa, because you have that, and you know that if you get caught speeding seven miles over, you're gonna they're gonna throw the book at you. It's sort of like this two standards of justice is just unpalatable. And if you live in a liberal city, you're gonna have that. You're going to be at risk now of your guns being taken away, 
So you can't defend yourself when that Black Lives Matter or Antifa thug come running through your door. And so you're the one that seems to be under attack. You know, the law-abiding citizen that says, okay, the law says I can't have a gun. I'll turn my gun in and they'll buy it back or whatever the heck. And now you're defenseless. And the person who doesn't care about the law, people like Antifa and Black Lives Matter, you know, domestic terrorist groups like those, you know, are lawless. They don't respect the law. And they'll have the gun. And now they know you're defenseless because they know that you're a law-abiding citizen and guns have been banned in your liberal city or almost impossible to get in your liberal city. So people are moving to Florida. But the sad news is, too, is they're bringing their politics with them. And I have about five liberal friends that have moved from Philly to the Philly area, at least, to Florida. And I know they're happy as punch that Trump's not in office right now. Yet they're living in a conservative state because they don't want to pay taxes on their Social Security. Well, they will be paying taxes on their Social Security if they get the liberal choices that they're going to make down the road. You see, that's the uncanny part of it. They're just so blind. They don't understand what a vote means, in my opinion. Because if you were to ask them what they would want, if you were to just take politics, blue and red, Democrat, Republican, off the list, and you were to draw up a list of things you support, I guarantee you most people would be on the Trump train, you know, for everything he stood for, for everything he stands for, MAGAPAC stands for. And buglecall.org stands for. So, again, it's this thing, you know, it was very bad for the city. Like in Philadelphia, because of the liberals there, they jacked up the taxes. They had this thing called a business privilege tax, where if you bought, bought a table for a thousand bucks off your showroom floor and you couldn't move it, you would end up selling it for $900. You'd take a $100 loss, but you just wanted to get rid of it. And next thing you know, you have to pay taxes on that 900 bucks. And mathematically, that is a mathematical impossibility if that was the only transaction. And so it shouldn't be. So corporations decided to move out of the inner cities into the suburbs. And so did the people that work at those corporates, corporations. So now the traffic patterns are all over the place. See, they used to have traffic that would come into the city in the morning and leave the city in the afternoon. And the, all the lights and the highway systems and the beltways were all set up and designed for that tra- kind of traffic flow. Urban planners understood that. But now, that's all having to be redone. 
And Philadelphia is a great example of that. You got the Blue Route and you have all, you know, Montgomery County in that whole area. Having to change, you know, build all kinds of new construction in terms of roads to accommodate the demand. Because people are flight fleeing. Flight. Urban flight. So Prager writes, among them are envy of success material among them are envy of success material of course but even more importantly success in terms of influence another is the religious foundation of both peoples okay and what we're talking about is whites aren't hated for their slavery but for making america and the west and what he's saying is among them are envy of success Material, of course, but even more importantly, success in terms of influence. Another is the religious foundation of people, both peoples. Both American and the Jews are rooted in belief in God, belief they are a chosen people, and belief in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, as the book from which they were derived their values. They derive their values. America haters and Jew haters resent the enormous influence both nations have had on the world. They have contempt for their belief in being chosen and dismiss the Bible as irrelevant and even malevolent. In the postmodern age, Christian anti-Semitism was primarily animated by the charge of, of decide the charge that the Jews killed Christ, a charge that does not have a parallel in anti-Americanism. But beginning in the 20th century, the reason for the two hatreds uh, converged. In the recent biography of Adolf Hitler, Brendan Sims, a professor of the history of international relations at Cambridge University, identified Hitler's hatred of America and especially of capitalism, as central to Hitler's worldview. Hitler's principal preoccupation throughout his career was Anglo-American and global capitalism. Hitler wanted to establish what he considered racial unity in Germany by overcoming the capitalist order and working for the construction of new classless societies. You know, I've always said, I was saying to a, a German friend of mine, um, I said, you know, the scariest thing is uh, she was talking about a, a politician um, that uh, is doing some interesting things in Spain. And so we were talking about that. And I said, you know, a lot of people think that in France, Marine Le Pen, Le Pen was a conservative, much like Trump. No, was not much like Trump. Le Pen's parents were socialists, radical socialists. I said the worst combo you can have is the Hitler combo, where he was a nationalist populist, but he was also a socialist communist. He needed that control. And when you have that, you have basically a, a, an interest, a willing interest to gain support for 
creating just one type of person. And genocide becomes the result of that. And in a lot of ways, Margaret Sanger was similar to that. She hated minorities. Yet minorities endorse Planned Parenthood. The liberals do, not the conservatives. Again, it's really about political ideology more than it's ever been about color. But the Democrats just try to make it about color because they want to call you a racist and end the debate. So in any case, um, I want to play, um, again, uh, this interview um, with what Donald Trump's been up to lately. And this is the uh, Hannity interview with Donald Trump. Let's see. So um, here we go. All right. For itself and be it's a republic in between. The question is off the table. Boxing from the always beautiful Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, where in just moments, the 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, he will join us for his first sit-down television interview since leaving the White House. No topic is off limits. No question is off the table. We'll cover Joe Biden, the radical left, the future of the GOP in 2022 and 2024, COVID-19, the crisis on our southern border, the mob, the media, and everything in between. Now, without a doubt, President Trump remains the most dominant box the world, the country listens. So tonight, for the hour, we welcome the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump. Mr. President, good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you very much, John. All right. So I know a lot of people that are around you every day. This is what they're all telling me. You are working as hard as you did when you were in the White House, except you play a little golf more. That you, you're keeping an insane schedule, seven days a week, you, you really don't stop. Well, we're seeing a lot of people. We're seeing a lot of good Republicans and a lot mm-hmm. of good Americans. In some cases, great Americans. And we are working very hard. And uh, a lot of things to do. Plus, I'm getting more involved for a long time, years. I wasn't involved in the business. I'm more involved in the business. We'll see what I do with respect to that. But... The business is doing well, and we're doing well. It's uh, been five and a half years of investigations and hoaxes, and I see something came out just yesterday about the uh, Russia, Russia, Russia was a total phony deal, and uh, they hate to admit it, but well, intelligence was, that came out. they were putting a bounty Yeah, on the, the bounty, heads. the big yeah. bounty deal, yeah. and now they uh, say that it was a hoax, just like everything else. So... It's a it's a sad thing. Uh, you get impeached for doing nothing wrong. Then you get a second impeachment for doing nothing wrong. And so it's been pretty wild when you think about it. But and very unfair. So we're working very hard. And I think we you're going to see something that uh, will start to take place in 22 and will culminate in 24. And you're going to see a lot of big things and great things for the Republican Party and for the country. When you look at the border and all of the things that are going wrong right now, what a shame at the border. Let me let's start with Joe Biden. Now, I get criticized because the Joe Biden I see now, I can show you tapes of him in 2016. I could show you tapes of him in 2012. And to me, he looks extraordinarily weak, frail. I think it's very transparent. He's struggling cognitively. He usually averages less. We follow his schedule very closely, less than one event a day. 
What do you see? How do you grade him three months in? So he's going to be 79 years old. That is not old. I know many people in their late 80s that are just as good as they were years ago. I spoke to one who's 92 years old. He said, I feel better than I did 20 years ago. 78, 79 is not old. Uh, but he, you know, look, uh, I, I don't think it's even appropriate for me to comment on that. It sort of speaks for itself. I mean, people can make their own determination. I know that if it were me, uh, they would be up and down going crazy, right? But uh, I had an instance where on a slippery, slippery ramp, piece of steel, very steep and very long, no railings, no nothing, and it was pouring at West Point. And the last thing I want to do is go down, because when Gerald Ford went down, it was not good. <laughs> now, when Biden went down, the, Three pay, times. the press didn't cover it. I mean, if you look at... Well, the, well in fairness, his aide said that the wind, it was yeah. very windy. The wind might have blown him over. Did the wind ever blow you over when you well, were... Well, Air Force One is a very big plane. And usually what they try and do is shield the wind. You know, when they park it, you can turn it at angles. And so you don't ever have too much. I've never seen too much wind. Uh... It can get a little windy, but not the kind of wind that blows you over. But uh, if you look at mainstream media, or as you say, lamestream media, they didn't cover that. If that were a Republican, in particular, if it was me, that would be the biggest story for the rest of uh, the year. But let me, let me ask the question from this perspective, because there are hostile regimes and many hostile actors on the world stage. You got a hostile regime in Russia, hostile act of Vladimir Putin, hostile regime in China, President Xi, you dealt with him a lot. I know Kim Jong-un, the mullahs in Iran, looks like Joe's already capitulated on that. Now, you know them well enough. I'm sure they're studying Joe Biden. Do you are knowing what you know, things that I wouldn't know? Are you concerned about their perception of an American president that seems somewhat frail and weak? Well, something's going on because they never did this with me. That I can tell you. Nobody was tougher on Russia. And frankly, getting along with Vladimir Putin is a good thing. And I got along with them very well. The relationship was very good, very strong. But they never encircled Ukraine. And they never, in Taiwan, China, they never sent warships all over the place like they're doing now. It looks very serious going on with Taiwan. And that's a long way away. That's 9,000 miles away. They're right next to it. That's like, uh, I mean, it's like very close. So now they're, something's going on with Taiwan. Something maybe is going on with Ukraine. This never was a big subject when I was president. Wasn't at all. Uh, as far as North Korea is concerned, I have a great relationship with a certain man that's got great power over North Korea. And... Uh, you take a look at Kim Jong-un and the relationship that I developed. That's a good thing, not a bad thing. Getting along with President Putin is a great thing. You know, we should be doing business with Russia. We should be getting along with Russia. Instead of forcing Russia to go into the hands of China, the worst thing you could do is put China and Russia together. And they're, again, they're together. And they get forced together. The Russian hoax was very, very bad for the relationship that we would have with Russia. But I got along well with Putin. I got along well with President Xi until the COVID came in or the China virus or whatever you want to call it. When that came in, it was a hold. But we had a, we made a great trade deal. Our farmers are making more money than they've ever made. Wheat prices are the highest they've ever been. They're doing great because China's buying so much. This was the trade deal that we made. But after COVID, uh, 
Trade just didn't seem that important to me, and we did other things, but it was too bad. Let me go to your, one of your signature issues from the first day, the day you came down the escalator, and that had to do with immigration. You instituted policies, stay in Mexico policy. It worked. You built, I think by the end, over 450 miles a new border wall. Yep. Obviously, walls work. Worked. Uh, then, of course, you ended the practice of catch and release. Um, now we see the exact opposite. You've seen these images on TV. I, I, I say they're Biden's cages. I mean, the media went nuts. Of Donald Trump is putting children in cages. It turned out Joe Biden and Barack Obama built those cages, and the images were from 2014, not 2018. My question is this. Imagine, well, first of all, the, your overall take on how dangerous this is. And number two, imagine if you're president and you have these are Trump's cages overflowing with kids in the middle of a pandemic that with a high positivity of COVID, what do you think the media, because there's been virtual silence on a lot of the aspects, I would, I would argue if it was a daycare center, you'd be shut down and charged with child abuse. They would not stand for it. And they're playing it down as much as they can play it down. It's a horrible situation, could destroy our country. People are pouring in, but you'll see something as the months go by, like you've never seen before. Already it's like you've never seen before. There's never been anything like what's happened at our border. And people are coming in by the tens of thousands. They're walking in. They, they, we had, all he had to do was leave it alone. If he left it alone, we were setting record positive numbers and people would have to come in legally. And you know, the other thing that people don't talk about, human trafficking and drugs, that's double, tripled, and quadrupled coming in because that's pouring in right now. Drugs are pouring in. We had it so tight. We were doing so well. All he had to do was leave it alone. Stay in Mexico was a big deal. You know, that wasn't easy to get. We went through court systems. We went through everything. The wall, getting the wall built, and the wall, we were up to almost 500 miles, and completing it was very easy. That was going to be just routine. It would have been done routinely. The contracts were already there. The materials there it was going to be done very quickly. And we got delayed for two and a half years because we were sued by Nancy Pelosi in Congress not to build the wall. I won the suits. We won all of the suits. We won everything. And then they don't finish the wall. The wall is imperative. All of the things that go with the wall, the technology that goes into the wall and with the wall is so imperative. We had it down to a number that nobody could believe. And then all of a sudden I hear this. Now I hear something else that I stopped money going to three countries, and then you have Mexico, where I have a great relationship with the president. He's actually a great guy, different philosophy, but a great guy. He put 28,000 free of charge, 28,000 soldiers on our border to stop people from coming in. And if you look at Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, we were giving them $500 million a year, but they weren't letting us take back these incredible, whether it's MS-13, but horrible people, gangsters, drug lords, horrible. They wouldn't let them come back. So I stopped payment. I said, how much are we paying them? $500 million, very early on. And as soon as I stopped payment, they called. We would love to have MS-13 back in our country. They wouldn't let us. If a plane was flying over, they'd block the runways. If buses came in, they wouldn't let you into the country. So we couldn't get anybody back. Now we just bring them back. He ended that. Now what he's doing is they want to give billions, not 500 million. They want to give billions and billions of dollars to these countries. I get along with all three of them, with the top people, all three of them. But they're going to be taking in billions and billions of dollars. 
And what's going to happen is that money is going to go to people that are going to bring people into our country. One other thing, they're sending us not their best people. They're sending us people that in many cases, not in all cases, are murderers, drug dealers, human traffickers, really bad rapists, really bad people. They're sending us people from their prisons. Those people are coming into our country. And of course, that's just common sense, because all you have to do is Take a look at what happened in the case of Cuba. Take a look at what happened in the case of other countries. But the three countries, you have really some unbelievably dangerous people coming into our country. Uh, They're not vetted. You talk about COVID. You talk about all of That's one thing. But they're not vetted from a criminal standpoint. So we have murderers and rapists coming into our country. And they're just walking in. And just to finalize it, we have people from Yemen and the Middle East coming in. And they're coming in at numbers. Now, they can't come in through the airports. They can't get on a plane. And we had the policy, the ban. We had a ban, which was a great thing from very dangerous countries. They're ending the ban. They've already ended it. So the people can come in from dangerous countries. But if you take a look at what's happening with the Middle East, many people from the Middle East are coming in through our southern border alongside of Mexico. What they're doing is insane. They're going to destroy our country. Let me ask this. He's so he, Joe Biden's been in Washington 50 years. He's the ultimate swamp creature. OK, let's look at Georgia's law. They have 17 days of early in-person voting. Every single county has a drop box. There are no drop boxes in Delaware. There's no early voting in Delaware. Um, both states require voter ID. So now he's saying to the people of Georgia, this is Jim Crow 2.0 and I'm, look, I'm listening to this, and I'm like, well, what did you ever do to make voting easier in your state? And the answer is he did nothing. And then he's using this incendiary racial language in the process. What's your reaction to that? My reaction is the Georgia bill is far too weak. It they needs a much, what? What would you it's like? Just, well, you have to have signature verification. That's you have, they don't have it. Why don't they have signature verification? You want matching. You want matching signatures. They have many things that they didn't put in. Look. What happened is the governor and others were afraid to be called racist. So they gave a very weak bill and they're called racist anyway. They had a much stronger bill a few weeks before this one came out. The governor, what he did is so is so sad. You had a much stronger bill in Georgia. Now, Texas is has got a, a very strong but fair bill. But you okay, have signature so matching. So, so does Florida. So Ohio. All of the states that we won uh, were properly run. Look, me, Florida was properly run. Ohio was properly run. South Carolina was properly run. By the way, North Carolina, Democrat governor, we won that. You know, that's always very right. tough to win. We won it very nicely. Properly run. He happened to have a Democrat governor, in all fairness. But how does a guy that whose state has far more restrictive voting laws get 200 corporations, Hollywood stars, Major League Baseball, they all, they all leave... And if you look at his history of racial rhetoric, he partnered with a former Klansman to stop the integration of schools because he didn't want schools, his words, not mine, to become racial jungles. Now, imagine if Donald Trump had ever said that or partnered with a former Klansman. What would the reaction be? The Democrats play a far tougher game than Republicans. The Democrats have horrible policy. No borders, defund the police, 
sanctuary cities. I mean, thank, by the way, defund the police. Thank goodness for Republicans. Yeah, defund. Well, now they don't want to give anything to the police. They're actually getting worse instead of better. And you look at the crime rates in these Democrat run cities. It's I mean, they're going up by hundreds of I, I don't know if you've seen what's going on in New York. I love New York. You see what's going on. I'm stupid. I still live there. You're smart. You moved here. You know, New York income tax, state and and city income, fifteen percent. Yeah. On top of the new federal rates. All right, we got to take a break. Okay. All right, sit tight. Much more with President Trump right after this break. All right, a lot of little interesting tidbits. Uh, They mentioned they pretty much confirmed what he was talking about with the tax rates in in Florida, but uh, you know, you got to wonder. What was Nancy, why was Nancy Pelosi suing the Trump administration for building a wall? Because she was in bed with the cartels. The cartels are the custodians of that border so that when things come in illegal, like fentanyl from China or uh, poppy seeds, uh, heroin from Afghanistan or all kinds of different things, come through the southern border. It was MS-13 that was the police department for the drugs, for the human trafficking. And Lindsey Graham was in on this too. Weapons for oil, oil for humans. Humans were sex traffickers, slave labor market workers. And these people would be sold like slaves. And these socialist Democrats... We're always about buying people and selling people. They were the ones that fought tooth and nail in the Civil War to continue slavery. It was the Republican Party that was established in 1854 to abolish slavery. And in 1856, they lost to Buchanan. But then in 1860, they won. And they made good on their promise. So the Democrats have always been the racists and the people that are inhumane to the, to the people. The, the people that have committed genocide the most are people like Hitler. They're all radical left-wing social nut jobs. And they sell you something on the cover of a brochure that's not true. And in any case, that brings us to the end of our show. You've been listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye. I'm from a small town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in D.C. But close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.